0: Good afternoon, everyone. It's Doctor Nigro again with the next episode of Psychology Unplugged. A cold, snowy day here on the East Coast in Massachusetts. I uh, hope everyone is doing well. Another fun week, uh, being able to talk with so many of you guys, whether it's through text or email, phone calls. I, I really, uh, I look forward to Sundays. Um. Just, it's, this is just a really humbling and, and, and fun experience. And, um, uh, much appreciation for all, all the comments and, and the, the gratitude emails and texts. I, I, I really appreciate it. Julie does as well. Uh, she's here, uh, with me as well. So, uh, you know, for those of you guys who follow this program, you know, it's very organic. Um, I usually come up with a topic when I set everything up. Um, and figure out, and Julie's asking me, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I don't know. And then something pops in my head, and I go with it. So uh, from a lot of conversations this week, I'm going to focus on the whole concept of change and motivation. Uh, a lot of people have reached out um, asking about, you know, cognitive real therapy, uh, neuropsychovals, um being involved in a relationship, whether that's a child-parent, uh, partner-partner relationship, uh, siblings, whatever, um, that are struggling with whatever form of mental health or mental ha- mental illness uh, of how to get that person into treatment. And there's really no easy answer for it. So, you know, if we take the whole concept of change, it's uh you look at it from this perspective. If you're listening to this program where you are right now, after this program is over in 30 minutes or so, you will have changed. You will be a different version of yourself because you've hopefully acquired some some insight and, and some knowledge and change comes to us as sure as the ticking of the clock on the wall, as sure as night turns into day. Change is inevitable. Uh, we change our clothes, we change our hair, we change our makeup, we change our cars, we change our clothes. We sometimes change our uh, the glasses that we wear. We 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 are not we're not uncomfortable with change apparently because we we do change. Just just take a look at the different out- outfits you wear during the week. But when it comes to psychological change, that's a much deeper and uh, more difficult process. As I've said in many of the episodes, the necessary ingredient for anybody to begin to make any kind of therapeutic change is they have to be uncomfortable, in a place of saying, I'm tired of thinking, feeling, and acting a certain way. Without those variables present, many people are not going to make any kind of change, and change is scary because I think at the at the end of the day what it comes down to is what if what I've always believed and how I function throughout my life and and, and my day-to-day um, navigation through life circumstances and the situations that present themselves to us what if what I believed is wrong what if what mom and dad raised me with or whatever parental figure raised you with what if the partner you're with, whatever it it's really scary to question our own belief systems but change is a necessary product so if you look at it from we're not afraid to change our clothes we're not afraid to change our uh hairstyle we're not afraid to change um the TV channel why then are we so afraid to change the way we think about ourselves the way we think about other people the way we think about the world in general and it's, I think, you know, motivation ties into that with that level of discomfort because um, when you get into the psychological realm, you know, if you flip the channel, what what's you change the channel? What are the possible negative outcomes that are really going to come of it? I don't think you're going to come across many. What's the you know if you change your outfit? What are the possible negative consequences that are gonna come of that? Not much. But what if you start changing the way that you you view yourself? What if you start changing the way that you you navigate your life behaviorally? Um, you know, say, you know, you, you want to lose 20 pounds. Okay, you would have to change your eating routine, you'd have to possibly change your your bedtime routine, you'd possibly have to change um, you know, just you know, you're getting exercise equipment or gym membership. So, change in and of itself, uh, we're not. We, we do it every day, but when it comes to mental health and psychopathology, uh, change is 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 very scary because, unlike flipping the channel, we might we may know what's on channel five and channel seven, and we we can choose to stay on that channel. We can choose to go to you know channel nine, whatever. Um, But with psychological change, you're really entering uh, a murky realm, at least if you're sitting, maybe not from my perspective in terms of what I do for a living, uh, you know, doing neuropsych evals. But from a therapeutic perspective, I can completely understand and appreciate an individual's apprehension and potential fear of what's going to happen to me. And you could even get into the realm of psychopharmacology. If you are taking psychotropic medications, your physiology is changing. Um, you, you, I mean, you, the neurotransmitters are changing. So you know, we we are uh, evolutionary beings. We are we are we are amenable to change. But I think a lot of people fight it. They are very resistant. Telling somebody that you need to go to therapy, generally, in my experience doesn't really work. Telling somebody that you have a problem and you need to change uh is generally not a good first step and I've talked to a lot of people over this the past week about uh you're not likely to get the desired results that you're looking for if you tell somebody that so as soon as you use the word you people automatically become defensive. Couples therapy 101. Own your own statements. Use it sounds so cliche, but use I statements um, because that when you say you or you need to or you have to, it, it it automatically puts any of us on the defensive side. And a lot of times, what what, what patients have said, you know, they, they contemplate change in the quiet times. They contemplate change in in laying in bed, driving in their car. Um, When they're alone, but there's, I think, a a fear associated with it because just for example, many people surprisingly don't realize um, how to even enter the, the, the mental health system. And in how to interview your therapists, interview your prescribers, and how much control that you have in this process, if you are active and participant in any kind of psychiatric treatment, that you are not a passive recipient and the passenger in the car, that you are an active member of this process. So, you know, yes, motivation is, is a huge part of it. You know, do, being uncomfortable, like I said, is the necessary ingredient, but there also has to be a desire and a want and a motivation. And in the world of telehealth, you kind of step back and be like, all right, really, how many excuses are there? Say so like, oh, well, my therapist lives, you know, their office is 45 minutes away. It's a cold day out. Uh, you know, excuses. I did that episode, excuses be gone. I mean, if you really look at excuses, um, they're so easy to blow so many different holes and tear apart the logic or, or, or irrationality of so many excuses. But again, in the world of telehealth, um, there really are no excuses where you could pop on to Zoom or FaceTime or any of the different uh, uh Media platforms uh to be able to get whether that that's psychological help through psychotherapy uh even getting a neuropsych eval, uh even meeting with your with your med provider so i mean you, you know you, you try to take the look what what good comes out of something bad i mean the pandemic is really resulted i think if you just look at the numbers and the influx of people who've gone into the mental health system uh the the proof is in the pudding never really never I really understood what that expression meant, but why would I just be putting? But that's, again, my own mind's set and how I go off on tangents. Um, but, you know, with, with, with change, it, it's there are, I think you really have to look at what are the barriers? What are the fears that you are grappling with? And, and like I said, the quiet time, that's when the demons come. That's when, as Julie will say, that's when the night vultures come. Because being alone with our own thoughts is scary. Uh, people will self-medicate with, with alcohol, with, with, with cannabis, with other substances, um, as a way to not deal with it. Is that change? No, that's avoidance. And avoidance, you know, is it a coping mechanism? No, it's a defense mechanism. Because I think if, if, if you were to present people with, okay, if you go to therapy for X number of weeks and you talk about X, Y, and Z and do X, Y, and Z, this is what's going to happen. It's not that linear. It's not that straightforward. And I think that, that, that ambiguity and the nebulous aspect of it, what pauses people, and again, I did the episode on the help projectors. There's people that uh, people know that they need help. People know that they need to change. And I think you know, people, people want to dig their f- heels in the sand. And this is where all the defense mechanisms come up of, of projection and rationalization, reaction formation, um, uh, externalization. You know, people, you know, it's, it's not my fault. It's your fault. I mean, it's, you hear that ad, ad, ad nauseum. But, but where does true change come from? It comes from the work. That's where the work is. And I think once people start to see, if you just use the example of going to the gym, if you do enough bicep curls, your biceps will invariably get bigger. That, that's a change. The same principle applies to psychiatry and psychology. If you do the work, your thought patterns, your thought processes will change. Hopefully in the positive direction, if you're getting good therapy, your behaviors will change and as a result your emotions will change again hopefully for the better but it ta- it takes work it takes effort it takes motivation it takes drive and it takes discipline we live in a culture in, in the united states and i think in western uh, civilization of we want the magic pill we want the we want the quick amazon fix to give us the immediate results i want to stop being depressed it's not that simple i want to stop having mood swings not that simple i want to stop having flashbacks of my trauma it's not that simple but can you get there yes but you have to have you know what's called distress tolerance to be able to withstand the disconnect and the discord and the uncomfortability uncomfortability that exists in between Because that that end end goal and something I've tried really hard to do with this podcast is give a sense of hope. You know, some people, a few parents I've talked to feel that some of their children are lost and they're gone. And you know what? Sometimes people just have to hit rock bottom. You cannot want it more than your partner, your child, your spouse, your significant other, your friend, your colleague. And And I've said this to people who've asked me to see them for therapy, um, I don't do much of it anymore. Uh, just a few people that I see, but I was very fortunate to be really trained by the experts who developed cognitive behavioral therapy. And, and I'm grateful that I, I am not that old, but I grew up like just as social media was taken off. So I don't really don't participate a lot in social media, but it, it, it it's, it's, People are inundated with information from so many different platforms and so many different things. And I wish people would stop getting their mental health information off of off of TikTok and off of YouTube and off of Instagram, because that, you know, that's I'm coming from perspective as a professional to try and demystify what this stuff is. When other people are going online, you see adolescents and teenagers they are going online and you watch, you get on the group TikTok videos of let me show you how to cut let me give you tips for suicide so there's a lot of so much information out there but for the people who again i don't know where these these themes come from i just kind of pick up on them but this week was a lot of how do i get my partner whatever that is or or family member into therapy it's not that simple and and with all as much respect it's really hard that you have to watch a loved one suffer when there are available resources whether that's a whether that's psychotherapy whether that's uh psychotropic medications or 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 best case scenario a combination of 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 all three but some people are stubborn you know who they are some people are rigid some people are you know uh they think psychotherapy is like um Witchcraft, it's not. It's, it's, it's a legitimate science evidence-based vehicle. So is psychotropic medication management. But the, yes, for those of you involved with people who are struggling with mental health issues and you care about them deeply, you cannot want it more than they do. And unfortunately, you may have to watch them suffer. This, it does take for some people to hit rock bottom, whatever that might be. I don't know. That could be turning to drugs, turning to alcohol, turning to self-injurious behaviors, having suicidal thoughts, engaging in reckless behaviors that have a high risk for potentially negative consequences. and and Julie was just whispering that this is a really important point. That if you are involved in relationship, whatever relationship, it's really important that you take care of your mental health. That you get into therapy, not seeing yourself as being defective, but we all need somewhere to put it. I think it helps with 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 Julie and I that we're both in the same discipline. That we're, we we understand each other, and you know, like I mean, I don't I don't know how I I, I got through the death of my father. I don't think I don't know how I was able to get through it as well as I did, which was my worst fear. And I, I talked about, it, I think, in our, my first date with Julie. Uh, but, you know, for the grace of God and, and, and her strength, and even though she was really close to my dad, I needed her to get through that. I mean, we're all human. I don't care how many letters I have before or after my name. There's still a human side to it. And and sometimes life throws us curveballs that we we didn't ask for. And sometimes life throws us fastballs that hit us in the head that we didn't ask for. It's what we do with it. That's, that's the change piece. It's what, it's, what, it's what do we do with it when, when those things happen, when life comes at us in a way that we weren't expecting. Oh, go on. No, Julie's going to pop on. Hi, everyone. Um,
1: we get a lot of calls for from people um, who are struggling with being involved with people who they suspect may have um, a mental condition, mental illness, um, like borderline personality, bipolar. um, Those are two common. Narcissism, um, also another common one, um, and people who are involved in substance use. But primarily we are getting calls – from people who are really struggling to understand people um, that they're in relationship with. And I think the bottom line is, and I think I was was sort of was whispering to CORE to mention is, if you're involved with somebody who's really struggling and you're trying so hard to get them help or trying to, you're doing all the legwork, you know, um, they're not ready yet. They're not open to it yet. You know, that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. It's really true. And like, not to be a cliche festival, but, um, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will come is a very um, poignant and I believe a very accurate, apt uh, description of what it's like also for mental health, someone struggling. I think the good news and the the silver lining on that is just find a therapist for yourself. Um, like core said, you need a place to put it. It can be very confusing. Um, people dealt themselves sometimes people have described it as like I'm banging my head against the wall and I, I, I just feel like um, and, and, and people are very alone um, struggling with this even even people who don't have you know mental illness per se, Um, even struggling with a loved one, uh, someone you really care deeply about, and you're trying to stay in a relationship and trying to create peace, and that isn't happening. Um, So just to point that out is if you make yourself stronger, if you go and talk to somebody who's licensed, who's good at it, um, you can become stronger and you can change yourself. That's the only thing you really can do. And that's why I want to just kind of pop on and try to empower you and encourage you. It's it's not the end of the world when someone else won't change, but it's one thing you can do. It's an action that you can actually take for yourself to get stronger. The what? The cloud metaphor. Well, that's for anxiety. That's for anything. Um, of course, forcing me to say this cloud metaphor. I don't know. I don't, I'm not...
0: So as we go on, sorry, we had a slight technical error. Julie with the water. Slight technical glitch. Apologize for that. Again, this wasn't part of my doctoral training. But, you know, Julie's point, she wants to come back with, with the cloud metaphor, I think, is really applicable in the sense that there are, there are beginnings, middles, and ends. And I think the middle part... Is where people really struggle, and that's probably one of the most difficult parts to be in, is in in that in that middle part because that's where the anxiety comes, the depression comes, the angst comes, and as I was saying before, you can't want it more than somebody else does, and it, it, and again, a common theme was like from talk with so many people or emailing or texting is, um, you can encourage people. But you again with the motivation piece, people have to want it, and they may reach out at appropriate times. They may may reach out at very inconvenient times. But with the access to mental health, the access to psychiatric and psychological services being such so available, at least in the United States, and from talking with so many people internationally, finding out that the paucity of resources in a lot of different, you know, relatively industrialized countries, the access to mental health is, is really, really limited. And there's, you know, I th- again, I think the pandemic has really created a, such an influx into the mental health system that it, um, it, it it's definitely flooded. I mean, the wait list to get into different places in the United States is, is exponential. I mean, I try to get people in as fast as I can for neurosic evals, and I get a call like the next day is like, my eval done? It's like, no, these evals don't write themselves. They take several weeks to do, so I write everything from scratch and I don't, I don't do the cold cookie cutter approach. But, you know, the whole point I think of this episode was I was thinking of Bruce Springsteen's song, Dancing in the Dark in his line, I said it earlier, I want to change my clothes, my hair, my face. And, you know, Bob Dylan talked about it, the times they are changing. We are creatures of that are, are, are constantly changing. But when we get, again, back to that psychological level of really questioning, whether that's even questioning your spirituality, questioning your upbringing. I did an episode earlier that, you know, one of the fundamental things my mother raised me with is, is to question everything. Because, you know, the, the benefit is, is getting into psychiatric help, you will change. And you will change for the better. You will, you will, you will think differently in a more adaptive way. You will act in a more adaptive way, and you will feel differently. That's why I'm such a staunch proponent of cognitive therapy. Some some people may think that I'm rigid with CBT, but you know what? It's a science, empirically based, proven model that works for all psychiatric conditions. Um, Julie has some different philosophies. That's that's fine, but I take a very different approach in terms of. Um, you know, coming in from a cognitive perspective. So um, I guess what I really wanted to, you know, kind of get, you know, uh, in part with, with, with this whole this this particular podcast is that is change is possible, but it is not easy. It is not immediate. The SSRIs, they do not work in a day or two days or three days. They take four, six, eight weeks to work. The mood stabilizers, they tend to work a little quicker. The benzodiazepines, people love them. They love their zanax, love their clonopin, love their ativan because they work right away. The antipsychotics, they take a little bit of time to work, but you know it. It it's really you know shown over and over and over again. Cognitive therapy, psychiatric medications with a full neuropsych leads to the best treatment outcomes. But for those of you struggling with people who are in relationship with, you're in relationship with. You cannot want it more than them. I'll say it again. You cannot want it more than them. You can encourage them. You could be a support system. You could drive them to the therapy appointments, drive them to see their med providers. You can be a part of the treatment process. A lot of times it's a very effective, uh, I think, in, I, don't know if in, in, I guess endeavor or really effective part of someone's treatment plan that, you know, Depending on on the type of psychopathology you're dealing with, if you step back, you are definitely witnessing and seeing somebody who is in pain, whether they have borderline personality, which is a relational disorder, as I said before, or if they're psychotic and they're hallucinating and they have delusions or they're paranoid or they have such severe anxiety and crippling anxiety that they're calling you and texting you, you know, 45 times a day until they get a hold of you. I mean, it can be very taxing on the individuals who who don't have the psychiatric condition but are in relationship with them. But the goal is 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 with change comes positive results. But it takes the motivation. It takes the time. It takes the effort to do the work, to do the work. And, you know, I don't deal well with, with moaners, you know, people who complain. You complain once, that's it. You don't complain again if you're not going to do anything about it. I think, you know, that that's a very cognitive, behavioral, rationally motive Albert Ellis' model of, of, of psychotherapy. Um, but, you know, change is 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 something if you just, again, take a look at this step back, like you have no problem changing into your work clothes, into your comfortable clothes. Why is it so hard to change how we think and how we act? You know, just it's a question I'm just posing out there for people to kind of contemplate and think like well we do change things but why do we not change these other things and i think i think a part of it like i said is there's no guaranteed picture of what that end result is going to look like Uh, good therapy will result in direction a bad therapy will result in direction b and I've seen it all the time, and I'm very fortunate to be surrounded by uh, a group of colleagues who are exceptional at what they do, whether that's psychiatric medications or whether that's psychotherapy. Um, and I and I see I see the results, and, and it, it it's it's transformative. And you know, for those of you who, again, I'm, I think I'm speaking more to a population of individuals who are in relationship with somebody with a a psychiatric condition, who's probably not in treatment that, you know, take care of yourselves Um, because it could easily lead to you developing depression, you developing anxiety, you developing something else. You're not likely, you're not going to develop a personality disorder in, 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 in in later adulthood. You're not going to develop bipolar disorder later in adulthood. Um, But you know, there's other things that it could impact, you know, family structure, whether that c- it can impact uh, marriages. If, if a child is so off course, it, it can impact um, it just uh, friendships. Um, because sometimes, you know, mental health can lead people to engage in very self-destructive behaviors. And there's not much you can do to stop it. It's like you're sitting and you're watching this runaway train and you see oh, there's the switch right there. It's only I don't have the code. They have the code. And it's like, oh, my God, just tell me if you're a Seinfeld fan. And, you know, when George wouldn't give his ATM code, it's like just give him – just tell, them, tell your uh, – person in your relationship with just give me the code just just punch the code in it's so obvious but they may not be there yet they and it's ironic you know you don't excuse the behavior you don't excuse the cognitions but you don't have to tolerate someone's toxicity i've said this before uh, explanations are not justifications And if you want, you know, go back to the episode I did on help rejectors. Yes, there are people out there that are help rejectors that do not want to change, that they they do not believe anything is wrong. Those are the individuals that you have to wait, unfortunately, until they hit rock bottom. And I don't know what rock bottom is. I don't know if that's a a failed suicide attempt. If that's, you know, they need Narcan because they overdosed on, on opiates. I don't know what that is. But in this field, sometimes it does get that dark. It does get that scary. It may take five, six, seven, 10, 15 psychiatric hospitalizations for a person to finally get to a place to say, "Like, look, I don't want to live this way anymore." And it's really hard as you're a passive recipient, as a per, as a relational person with this individual struggling with whatever psychiatric psychiatric condition that they have. It's very hard to sit and watch that because it's like, just go, go to therapy. Just go to therapy. Stay on your medications. And a lot of people I've talked to this week, they've had family members that you know they on medication and they felt great. And they just stopped their medications, you know. So it, it 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 this this is not a linear world. This is not just like okay, just take your diet, take your insulin, take your metformin, and your diabetes will be controlled and monitor your diet. This, this is the fun part of of you know at least from my perspective in this field because. You really get to see the nuances of, of of individuals and the idiosyncrasies of their behaviors. And you know, again, I, I always say this in every episode, I would always encourage a full neurosyncaval to really delineate what exactly you're dealing with, what exactly you know Julie needs or other prescribers need to medicate, what exactly you need to work on from a therapeutic perspective. Because once you can put a name to it, once you can put a name to it, again, Whatever it is, it's something you you have or your your loved one has. It's not something that they are, and it's important to not over-identify with it. Um, But the whole change aspect is it has to come from within the individual. It has to come from within them. They have to want it. You can encourage it. You can see the writing on the wall. You can see all the signs. You could go online, which I strongly encourage people, don't go online stop researching things online go go to reputable sites like apa.org um national institute of mental health um uh, mass general you know go to the reputable sites to really understand what are the diagno- what are the potential diagnostic pictures that that, that are you, you may be con- confronting because psychoeducation is a huge part that i do when i do like the feedback sessions um I encourage as many people as possible that are involved in in, in a specific patient's life to come so I can explain what the actual disorder is, not just say, well, you got major depressive disorder. Okay, that's so vague because it presents itself in 120 different ways, and there's so many different levels of severity and how that manifests is so unique to an, in, in, an individual. But there has to be motivation on, the, on any individual's part to pick up the phone call. And I can't tell you how many people have picked up the phone call for the other person. And and, and no one's doing anything wrong. You, you, you're trying, but you can lead a horse to water. That's all you can do, but you can't make him drink. You, as much as, 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 as it's like it's so easy like look here's a person that i have an appointment on tuesday at nine o'clock for you and they and they're 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 trained in this they can help you and the other person doesn't want to go it, it so you know it, it's understandable the level of frustration the level of angst the level of even hopelessness um and people even start to question themselves am, am i a bad parent am i a bad fiance am i a bad Uh, husband my bad wife my bad sibling am i a bad friend those are natural questions to ask but you you have to distance yourself from it and sometimes you have to love we have to love people from a distance depending on the level of behavioral dysregulation or level of toxicity um it's hard to do easier said than done Especially when, you know, parents, it's a primal desire for parents to want to step in front of a train for their child. And no, nobody can take that away from them. I'm just trying to impart a sense of a different perspective to say, own what is yours and hold the other person accountable for what's theirs. And sometimes you have to draw a hard line in the sand and say, enough is enough. Sometimes you have to be the individual who creates enough discomfort to get the other person motivated enough, uncomfortable enough to be willing to start the whole journey of psychiatric and psychological care and treatment. So, hopefully, I was able to address uh, a topic that was uh, very prevalent this week. Again, I don't know why, uh, but I think it's I definitely think it's incredibly, incredibly common. Um because we don't want to see our loved ones hurt we don't want to see anybody hurt uh, unless you're a sociopath i guess but you don't we really don't want to see anybody in pain especially when you know that there's available resources out there to start the process of alleviating some of the severity and chronicity of whatever your loved one is is struggling with but it's 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 really important that you take care of yourself that you have a place to put it they that, that 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 the psychopathology of whoever you're in relationship with isn't impacting you as an individual, your family structure, the whole family system, the family dynamics, and yeah, easier said than done. Loving people from a distance, but sometimes that's what individuals need. Then, you know, if they're com- if they're so comfortable and they know that the door is always open, why would they change? If if families are going to tolerate and put up with and, and just make excuses for. Why are they going to change? They're not. I'm just being totally honest. They're not going to change. And again, I'm not discounting how hard it is to watch that loved one hit rock bottom, but sometimes that rock bottom is where people get to where they can finally begin to find peace. So until next week, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Um, Feel free to reach out to me at psychologyunplugged at outlook.com. Uh, you can get a hold of me through Psychology Today. Uh, my direct cell phone number is 617 750 9411 East Coast Standard Time in Boston, Massachusetts, even though we live in Duxbury, but same time, same area code, zip code. Uh, again, it's a pleasure. I look forward to seeing a lot of you guys who are coming from so many different parts of the country. Um, and as always, whatever resource that Julie and I can be, we do the best we can. Like I said, our modest version of God's work. Um, but change, change is tough. and um, But it's possible. Relief is possible. Treatment is possible. Remission is possible. All right. Bye, guys. Talk to you next week.